uh, is to be lost. You know, like, uh, I don't know if the stereotype holds up anymore uh, now that millennials are taking over the world. Uh, power to the millennials. But uh, men, are, do you just like refuse to ask for directions? Um, even though my phone is still telling me where to go, I still like to pretend like I know where I'm going. And the worst thing in the world, I hate being lost. You just make turn after turn after turn, um, like trying to figure out where you're going. It's like the pit in your stomach, not sure what's happening, um, and the just overall stubbornness to refuse to admit you don't know where you're going. Um, but you know, what's worse than not knowing where you're going when you're traveling is not knowing where you are. Because the destination can always change. And if you can get to this destination, then you can probably get to this destination. And you probably get to eventually get to your end goal, wherever that might be. Right? But if you don't know where you are, it's more difficult to find out where the next place is and next place is and next place is going. If you can find out where you are, it's different. Um, so I, was, I got my master's at school in Tennessee, and uh, I got it all online, except for every now and then you would have to go and spend like a week at your course. I mean, that's, that's pretty normal. Um, Tennessee is just a different place, y'all. It's just different, especially in places that are not Nashville, which is everywhere else. Right? I mean, you got to... Uh, my first time ever going to that school, uh, I'm just, you know, when you travel by yourself, you do a lot of things to keep yourself awake. You roll the windows down. My go-to is roll the windows down and turn on 90s rap. Uh, I swear I don't listen to the words. It's just like the beat. <laughs> don't believe that lie when your kids tell you that. Anyway, that's what I do, and I'm, I'm driving, and I'm flying through. <laughs> I'm not making this story up. I'm like, I have a little Honda Civic, and I'm like flying down these little back roads uh, of uh, who knows where, uh, Tennessee, because my phone's telling me where to go. And y'all had to slam on the brakes because a cow was in the middle of the road. I'm not making it up. On the way back, my GPS is telling me how to get home. It's been a week, a long week in this course, and I'm on my way back, and somehow through the mountains, my phone drops the service. What do you do? I don't know. I'm a millennial. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not, I just like hardly make it into a millennial, so I do know what a map is and how to read it. And so I was like, all right, I'll just look at my phone. And if I can look at my phone and see where I am, I can make, I can figure out the turns to get to, I would say a main highway, but really, y'all, I'm just trying to get the service. That's all I'm trying to do for my phone to work. And when I pulled up my phone, it couldn't, it didn't tell me where I was. I mean, I'm telling y'all, Tennessee's a different place. And it just wouldn't let me know. And some of y'all, you might be thinking, man, he needs to stop because people from Tennessee might get offended. No, people from Tennessee, y'all know. It's just different, right? Yeah. Yeehaw, if you're from Tennessee, you know what I'm saying. So anyway, I, I'm like, I pull out my phone, and it's not telling me where I am. And it's worse because I can't even get to where I'm going if I don't know where I am. Uh, we started a series last week called Hello, My Name Is, and we're going through a series of our core values. What makes Restore Church Restore? 
There's a thousand different churches in Jacksonville. We're not the only good one. There are plenty of really good churches. But we, we chose five things that matter to us at our very core that we feel like separate us and make us a church that God is proud of and one that you would want to be a part of. And so here are our five core values. Our first one is restoration over perfection. We talked about this one last week. Everybody needs to be restored. The pastor, the, the, the pastor all the way to the person who walks in for the very first time. We all need Jesus. Don't pretend like you're perfect. If you are perfect, you don't belong here. Right? I mean, there are other churches that might accept you. But uh, not here. Now, we, we're not going to try to pretend to be perfect. The second one is authenticity over hype. We're going to talk about that one uh, uh, over the next couple minutes. In the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about community. We value community over isolation, excitement over entertainment. That one's going to be a lot of fun. You should be here for that one. Uh, you should be here for all of them, but that one's going to be fun. And multiplication over addition. We care more about the kingdom of God than we do about Restore Church. And so we wanted to go through this series to talk about what matters to us. And here's what, here's what I feel like uh, is true, not only just at Restore, but it's true just across the church uh, all around, is um, we, we like to pretend uh, a lot. Now, you might say, man, I'm I, not here, right? No, we, we get to wear jeans to church. We don't have to dress up. We don't have to pretend. But, you know... Um, the worst thing in the world is for us to pretend like we know where we are when we're completely lost. Now, I'm not saying all of us are lost in a spiritual sense. But one thing that we fail to do as just people is we fail to be completely open and honest with God and with people. Um, we put our Facebook profiles out not just on social media. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, we, we, when's the last time you woke up and the first thing you did was walked to the, the bathroom mirror, uh, like squinted at the light and then pulled out your phone for a selfie. You know, we, we don't present that picture to everybody, but we do like add like seven filters, right? And then we take a picture and we're like, I don't know, feeling cute, might delete later. Hashtag no filter. <laughs> It doesn't work with God, it doesn't work with people, and it really doesn't work with our relationship with God. It doesn't work in our Christian life. And so uh, here's a question we're going to ask is, um, what's the danger? What happens when we refuse or what, what happens when we are not authentic in our relationship with God and our relationship with people? What's up? So I'm Josh, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I'm a worship leader here at Restore, and uh, it's been a blessing. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had a conversation with Roger and Kendra, and um, Roger told me, you know, hey, we're preaching on authenticity coming up. And um, he asked me if I'd come up and talk to y'all. So um, here I am. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about just real quick is how important self-care is. Um, you got to pay attention to what you're doing. You got to pay attention to yourself. Um, for, as an example, um, a lot of you prior to today have not seen me without facial hair. Um, yeah. So Friday night, 
Um, I had music going at the house. Uh, I was getting ready to go out to dinner with a couple of guys. And, um, you know, I was bumping my music. I was getting into it. I was jamming. At the same time, I was trying to trim my mustache. And um, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And I nicked it real good. And there's no coming back from that. So it just all had to go. And I showed up to Lanier and Dory's house, and Lanier looked at me. He goes, what'd you do? And I was like, homie, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like it. It was a mistake. It's going to grow back out. We're going to move on. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, taking care of yourself. You really got to pay attention to what you're doing. You got to pay attention to the things going on around you. But you got to pay attention to yourself. Um, and part of that is we can't be afraid to ask others for help. We can't be afraid to be open with ourselves first but also with God and with our friends and our family and our church congregation. Um, because sometimes our self-care isn't so full of self. Um, sometimes that's got to come from outside. Sometimes people got to help us realize where we need to be taking care of ourselves and how we need to be taking care of ourselves. So um, First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, I'm not good at opening up. Um, I'm not good at opening up with people. Um, I'm not good. I mean, I, mean I, I pray. I'm in the Bible, and I like to think I've got a really good relationship with God. But, um, you know, sometimes I'm not good at opening up with God. Even though he knows what's on my heart, I don't always voice it. Um, and it's always been a struggle. Sorry, y'all. Um, but there are consequences. Um, and I haven't done a good job at taking care of myself lately. And because of that, there's a consequence. And um, it's not something that I want to do. It's not something that I really planned on doing. But um, God's laid it on my heart recently that I need to step aside from my position here at Restore and um, focus on my relationship with him and focus on myself. Um, this, isn't, this isn't coming from any hostility, any animosity. There's, there's, no, there's no struggles between me and Roger or Kendra, no struggles between me and Restore. This is simply I have to focus on myself for a moment and get back with God and how I need to be. Um, and you know what? That's not a bad thing. Because um, even in the Bible, you know, God created, he took six days creating everything here on this earth. And then on the seventh day, he took a day to rest. And so it's not, it's not a bad thing for us to take a moment and rest. Um, you know, somebody's going to come into this church and they're going to step into the worship leader position, and they're going to do a great job. God's going to place them here for a reason, and um, they're going to do an awesome job leading this church the way that Restore needs to be led. Um, but on top of that, this is also an opportunity that God's given me to take a step back and focus, you know, on my relationship with him, but to volunteer in other ways. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to volunteer, you know, run sound maybe one Sunday, or um, volunteer for the security team. Maybe I'll go hang out with some kids for once. Um, you know, I, and it's, 
I've had a really good family around me these past couple weeks um, that have really lifted me up and helped me through this decision. Um, they've really encouraged me. Um, I'm not leaving Restored. You know, I'm going to be here, um, but I'll be here in a different capacity. Um, and one thing that I've kind of been leaning on lately is Proverbs 19:21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And uh, I had plans when I came to Restore, and Restore wasn't part of those plans, but the Lord wanted me here, and his purpose prevailed. And, you know, I had plans to stay as the worship leader here at Restore, um, but that wasn't in God's plan, and that's okay. It's, sometimes we just got to roll with it. You know, we're not expecting it comes out, it comes out of nowhere, but we just roll with it because it's his purpose and it's his plan, and uh, it will always prevail. Um, I, I think uh, a couple of things I, I want you to hear is um, uh, Josh isn't going anywhere, so we'll still get to see his very naked face Thanks. for a couple more weeks. Only for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, Josh told us Monday night, uh, a couple Mondays ago, uh, and so... Uh, we, we gave it some time because we felt like there were some uh, other people around him that he wanted to, to share with first, his life group, uh, the band, people that have really been around him. Uh, when Josh told us, um, he said, man, I, there's something I got, I got to tell you. The first thing he said was, I, I got to step down. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but he said, when he, he just told us basically everything he told you and uh, you know, leaving a ministry position is difficult, but usually you don't leave when things are good. You just suck it up. Like church is real, like restore, we're doing well, right? You don't leave ministry when that happens. You don't step down when that happens. Uh, but man, it took so much courage for Josh to do that. And uh, I, I just put my hand on, on his back and, and I mean the same thing, man. I'm, I'm so proud of you. And even though you just said that restore, you know, Restore was a plan. Uh, dude, you, you were part of God's plan for us. And I, I don't know if any of y'all remember this, but our worship leader stepped down uh, a couple years ago. And there was, we had no, like, it, the plan was for me to play guitar and Kendra was going to sing. That was our plan. Uh, hey, y'all didn't hear Kendra sing, all right? You're laughing, but she's pretty good. Um, but then I just remember this kid that I met in Newburn, and I went up to him and sat across at Starbucks from a dude with a mullet. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, would you leave for us for just a couple weeks? And in that couple weeks, he gave us, he said, I'll give you till December. Uh, God really moved in his heart to say, to turn down a really good job, to move to Jacksonville. And um, man, Josh, uh, you found family here, but dude, you're just, you're a huge part of our family. And um, we're so thankful for you. Uh, and even though you'll be wearing a security tag, man, you, uh, the members of the body doesn't matter, right? What, what position you're playing doesn't matter, just being a part of the family. I, I just want to take a moment to pray for Josh, if, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, God, we love you, and, and we love Josh. And, man, we're just so thankful that he's recognized this in himself. And so, uh, Lord, let us as a church surround this dude and, and to love him and care for him um, in a way that you would love us to do that. God, I pray over the next couple minutes you open up our hearts just the same way you've opened up Josh's to be open with you and open with others. Uh, God, thank you for your church that loves us when we're hurting. Um, thank you for loving us when we're hurting. Uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Love you, buddy. Hey, can you guys give it up for Josh? Yeah. Uh, what he just did is not easy. You should know that. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, we got some volunteers that will pass out a Bible. Uh, we're going to go pretty quickly here. Uh, if you need a Bible, uh, we, we don't show them on the screen uh, every time. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and open up your phone either to the Version app or the Restore Church app, and you can click on Bible and follow along there. Uh, go ahead and find Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, uh, and we will we'll start there. As you're finding Acts chapter 2, I want to tell you about a couple Thursdays ago. Oh, hold on. while you're finding now, I want to tell you. Uh, we've already kind of started the process of looking for uh, someone to lead worship here. Uh, just pray for us. Uh, we are trying to, uh, we're going through interviews. Uh, we've, we've met with a couple candidates that we really like. Um, and really exemplify what Restore Church is about because let's face it, there are some pretty good or some pretty good worship leaders, um, but they might not match or, or fit here. You know what I'm saying? So just pray for a discernment here um, over the next over the next coming weeks. Hopefully, y'all will be making an announcement on Sunday. Uh, but I just want you to to hear. We're not sitting back with our hands tied, you know, our hands behind our back. We're trying to be active about this because the last thing you want, because Kendra's tied up with a lot of other things. So then that just leaves me as the worship leader, and that's the last thing the Lord wants. All right, I know it's the last thing y'all want. A couple Thursdays ago, we had a vision night here. I'm gonna talk fast, and and we'll we'll try to. Um, We'll, we'll try to get, get down to Acts chapter 2. A couple Thursdays ago, we had a vision night here, and we just talked about uh, just trying to get back to the basics of what God has called us as a church to do. And there are a couple things that, that Restore Church had in place before we were actually Restore Church. Before we had a name, before we had a location, before we even owned that big, massive truck that we own. Those couple things were our core values— we knew what we wanted to be about before we knew the, you know, our name of our church. A second was our mission. And our mission comes from a couple passages. The first passage is in Matthew chapter 22. We're not going to go there because we talk about it a lot. But Matthew chapter 22, someone comes to Jesus and they say, what's the greatest commandment? And they're trying to trick Jesus because if they can trick Jesus, they can kill Jesus, Right? If they can get him to commit blasphemy, well, then they can kill him right there. And so they come, to, there are 619 of these laws, and they ask Jesus, what's the greatest of them? And if he picks one, they can kill him. Remember what Jesus says? Jesus says the first one, and they're like on the edge of their seats. They're like, yeah, go ahead, buddy. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments hang on these two, Jesus says. And I, you know, you ever been defeated? Like you're trying to teach your kid a lesson, and they're like, yeah, but you said, and you're like, ah, you're right. You can have a snack at midnight. Um, the Pharisees are probably so defeated. Because let me ask you this question. Um, what's left Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In Mark, when he writes this story, he adds strength. What's left to love the Lord your God with? There's nothing. 
You can't find anything else in the Bible. And so what Jesus is saying is love the Lord your God with with everything, with your whole being, with every part of your life. And so let this fall on you, however it may. But loving God is, it's easier when life is easy, right? I mean, your bank account's full. I don't know when that ever happens, but your bank account is less empty than it normally is. Couple of your bills are paid. Marriage is really good. You just finished that project at work. I mean, some of the last, I mean, like, you don't think about, man, my relationship with God is tough. When it's hard to love God with every part of your being is when it's hard. Hey, I just feel like, uh, I feel like God wants me to share a passage that actually has been kind of hitting home with me. It's marked in my Bible because. Uh, I've actually been reading it a lot lately, and, and here's this. Don't believe this lie, the lie that God will never give you more than you can handle. It's a lie, okay? Here's what the Bible does say. The Bible does say that God will never let you be, be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will give you a way out every time. Okay, that's what scripture does say. But what scripture does not say is that God will never give you more than you can handle. Actually, that's kind of the point. Is that we can't handle everything. And we need God. Actually, Paul, uh, who is like the apostle Paul, he's the best church planter ever. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament. I mean, like he is the dude. And he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You don't have to flip there, just listen. He says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. This is what he's talking about. He went in and preached, and riots erupted. And they chase after Paul, and he has to go to the next town. But there's no problem, like, there's no struggle worse than watching your friends suffer. Am I right? I mean, how many times have you looked at your kids when they're sick and you just say, Man, I wish it was me? Or how many times have you seen one of your friends or family members going through a disease or cancer and you say, I wish, like, I really wish it were me and not you? Paul flees from his, his uh, flees from these riots. He runs, but a couple of his friends get caught up in it. And so when he's talking about this struggle in Asia, uh, it's in Acts chapter 16, 17, 18, and 19. Uh, I just included all of those because it's around that area. I don't know which chapter it's in, but it's somewhere in there. Uh, hold on. Acts 19 and 20. Thanks. It's the Holy Spirit. That's not my remember. That's not. I just said rememory. Okay. Put it in the vocab somewhere. Rememory. When you remember your memory. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, we were under great pressure. Listen, far beyond our ability to endure. So that we despaired of life itself. Y'all just heard a man who says, I'm at a point, God, where I need you. I mean, if we could do this life on our own, we wouldn't need God, right? Indeed, he says, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. 
y'all, I, I think I, I want to hit more on, uh, it's really not about what I want, Lord, whatever you want. Uh, but Acts chapter 2, he talks about us relying on each other, and, and I want to talk about that. But if we're not open with God, we don't stand a chance of being open with each other. If we're not authentic in our relationship with God, we're pretending in every other aspect of life. And so you might be saying, look, God doesn't want to hear from me. Uh, the opposite is true. My past is too much. I can't bring myself to even pray. That's the best time. It's the best place for you to be. Uh, I just want to encourage you to love God with everything you have. So the disciples did that. There's 12 disciples. They followed Jesus all the way to his death. Judas kills himself, so now we're down to 11 disciples. Uh, most of them flee, except for Peter. Well, Peter kind of stays around to the side, but uh, John, who wrote the book of John, John the Beloved. So we'll talk about, we'll pick up in our series with John after our Easter series, okay? So he... Um, so the disciples stick around. He, he comes around the disciples after he comes back from the dead. He comes to his disciples and he says to them, hey, I want you to stay right here in Jerusalem. So we're skimming through Acts chapter 1. He says, I want you to stay right here in Jerusalem and I want you to wait on the gift. And when you receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the place where they just killed Jesus. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. We just studied this in my Sunday Night Life group a couple weeks ago, and this actually leaves them. There's 11 disciples at a time. Uh, have we gotten Matthias yet? All right, so we're back to 12 disciples. There's like, uh, it, it leaves like mission impossible because now each person is supposed to minister, account for spreading the gospel to 18 million 818,818 people. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Jacksonville's like 81,000, and I pray like that that mission is too big. Like these, each person is now responsible for that many people, and so God gives them, or Jesus gives them this mission impossible. There's no way we could do this on our own. And in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They start to preach in languages that they don't know on a day where nations have come to Jerusalem for uh, a festival. So God has changed the script. I know that you can't do this on your own, but watch this. And then when all the people start to gather, like I would want the smartest person to get up and to talk. Or I would want the one who's the best speaker to get up and talk. I don't want Peter to get up and talk. Peter's the one that's always pulling his foot out of his mouth. And Jesus is the one always pulling his foot out of Peter's way, maybe. I mean, it's always Jesus like, Peter, come on, man, or don't say that again. Remember that one time he turns around and he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter stands up. And he delivers the very first gospel message ever preached. And it says that, Everyone who heard was cut to the heart. They asked, they asked Peter and the other disciples, what do we do now? Man, we can't ignore this. What can we do? And Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
for the forgiveness of your sin. This gift is for you uh, and for your children and their children and those who are far off. I want to tell you today at 2 o'clock, my man Elijah, he went to CCYC with us in February. He's given his life to Jesus last Sunday, and he's going to get baptized today at 2 o'clock at the Red Roof Inn. Um, hey, would you come surround him with us? Red Roof Inn in the Western Boulevard. You can, there's plenty of places to eat between there and here. And you go down there and hang out with us and be around as this, this kid who will one day be a church planter. Uh, he's saying, man, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, would you come do that with us? He responded to the gospel the same way that this did it. And then this is, it says that um, uh, 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Man, I've said this before, this is not a joke. If we preach the gospel message on Easter Sunday and 3,000 people come to know Jesus, uh, Josh is coming out of retirement. He's going to be the pastor here. Okay? Uh, I'm going to go play with the kids. And that's debatable. But we see the impact of God right there in that moment. All right, now we're getting to the other passage that Restore Church has been about since the very beginning, and we're going to walk slowly through it. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 42. Starting in verse 42. I, this is such, in Acts, so you go home and start reading through Acts, and you're going to see what Luke does every now and then is he gives us, um, like, synopsis of the church. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, other places in Acts, <laughs> he gives us like summaries of how the church is doing, and it doesn't stop growing. Well, this is the very first one. 3,000 people were added. We want to know what happened after that, and so Luke helps us. Listen to this. Look at verses 42. They devoted themselves. If you're an underliner or a highlighter, uh, if that's what you do in your Bible, you write notes, the word devoted is a good one. Um, also, if you're borrowing one of Restore's, uh, make it your Bible. Take it home. We'd love for you to have that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These people have just given their life to Jesus. They've stepped out of um, Judaism, they were Jews, right? They step out of that and then they say, what's next? I want to follow Jesus. They give their life to Jesus. They get baptized. And then they say, and, and, this, and then they're like, we're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. What would that be for us? The Bible. Now this word devotion is a deep internal commitment. It's not, it's not just an couple minutes on Sunday morning. It's a everyday kind of thing. I would hate to, uh, I would hate for you to go ask my wife and say, um, uh, man, t tell me about Roger's devotion to you. And she's like, well, every Thursday between 1 o'clock p.m. and 2.30 p.m., he's really devoted. Uh, Every now and then, he'll ask me how I'm doing. Um, but man, that dude, he's devoted. What a terrible husband. Husband, if you're doing that, you're terrible. Stop, get better, <laughs> right? I mean, we've got to be devoted all the time. We would be awful husbands if we did that. Man, think about our relationship with Jesus now, our relationship with God. An hour and a half, is that, is that it? 
I mean, these guys were like, we're so devoted, and, and they want God. You see, like, they can't imagine a life without God. They can't imagine a life that gets so unbearable that they're like, dude, I just wish I were dead, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And they're like, where can we go? And if your answer is, I don't know, you've got to answer that question. The disciples, they, they give their life to Jesus. They're all in, and they're like, here's where we go. We're devoted to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship. Here you go. Here's your fellowship. Being together, the word is koinonia. Uh, it's, it's just being with each other. Um, look, go throw axes. That seems pretty cool. I haven't done that. Um, I don't get this, y'all. All right, hold on. I'm just not about the sermon. Cut this out so my mamaw doesn't hear this in the podcast. They're, the, these, these flipping access places, are, they're like, bring your own beer, okay? Then they're like minimum six beers. How about a minimum of one beer? Because I'm not going to throw an axe next to a dude who had six beers and doesn't let it go and hits himself in the knee. Because then I'll get in a fight because I'll look at him and say, that's what you get, stupid. <laughs> um, all right, that's, it has nothing to do with anything. Uh, being together, having dinner with each other in our homes, we're pretty, some of us are not so good at that. We live in a, we live in a society, I, I call it a, a garage door society, where we hit the garage door button, like we're hitting it four times before we get into range where it opens up. You know what I mean? And then we get out, we walk through our garage door. Some of y'all don't have enough stuff because you get to pull into your garage door. Into your garage, you need more stuff. Uh, you pull in, and meanwhile, y'all, our, our neighbors in our society, we're craving for relationships. And the first church devoted themselves to the fellowship, uh, to the breaking of bread, which is communion. We're going to do that in just a, a couple minutes into prayer. Now look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with all and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Here's what's cool. It's because in verse 42, they're devoted to, they're devoted to God and each other. Imagine that. Love God relentlessly and love people recklessly. And so when you're so enthralled with God and loving his people and loving each other, it becomes easier to be in awe of God. When is the last time you were just in awe of who God is? You just didn't sing with worship, but you just listened to it on Spotify. And you just thought, man, God, you are amazing. When's the last time you started a prayer and just shut up? Uh, I can't tell you the last time because I'm not good at shutting up. <laughs> When's the last time you just opened up the, the, the book of Psalms and just read, uh, oh, uh, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth? I can't tell you the last time I've done it. But, you know, when we get so wrapped up in loving God for everything he is, and we're devoted to his word and to prayer and to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through communion and to the fellowship of being together, it's so, it's so much easier to be wrapped up in awe and the wonders of God. Verse 44 and all the believers were together and had everything in common. I wish you guys could love Clemson as much as I do. I mean, it would make every one of y'all holier. 
telling you, you want to take a next, we talk about next steps here. You want to talk about a next step of loving Jesus. It's obvious. Yet none of y'all are doing it. They were together and had everything, let me say this, everything that was important in common. Here's what happens, I think, in churches. I pray the Lord it doesn't happen at Restore. But instead of walking in and having the common bond of being sinners who, are, who need to be saved by Jesus, we walk in and we, the first step is, oh, she's here. I heard about her. Or our first step is cynicism. Um, we don't want to believe people when they tell us things. We just choose not to look. Um, my wife, who has these really great sayings, remember the other one that I've never heard? Your poor planning does not constitute my emergency. I say it that fast because I, 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 I hear it a lot. Um, the other one... Uh, the other one is we compare people um, based on our, we, we compare people and their worst actions compared to our best intentions. That's really good. She should write a book. I would read it. We compare people on their worst actions and our best intentions. Uh, here you go. Someone posts, if I see one more picture of that person working out, they keep posting it. These selfies, I don't care how far you ran, while we sit in our chairs doing nothing but eating potato chips. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're comparing people on their actions, which, you know, go, you go get it, homie. If you're working out, post it on Facebook. Make me feel bad. But if you're hating on someone because they're doing that while you're not doing anything, you, you, you see the example. What if verse 44 was true about restore? What if we walked in and we're like, you know what? I need, just like last Sunday, I need to be restored. They need to be restored. Um, we have everything that's important in common, and that is that we all need Jesus. Man, he's, Paul show, or Luke, who wrote this, shows an example in verse 45. They sold their property and possessions to give as anyone who had need. You guys are living this out. We doubled, more than doubled, the amount of computers we wanted to give to this church, this school. You guys are living this out time and time again. I try to use my Facebook now for just help. When someone needs help, I'll post, hey, you know, does so-and-so have this? Or I have a friend who needs this. And you guys time and time again come through. We are living out verse 45, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Uh, check this out. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I've never thought about these two words before, but generally they're opposites. Glad is happy. Sincere is let's get real. The Greek word for glad, we sometimes talk about extreme joy. They, they couldn't wait to be together. And they probably shared laughter and played games. Uh, they, they probably told stories after story after story and enjoyed being together. Um, but then there was a sincerity about them 
a realness, call it an authenticity. Let's get together on purpose. Let's go throw axes. But when we're done, let's talk about what really matters. Like, what are we doing here? How's your relationship with your wife, bro? Because I know a couple weeks ago it wasn't very good. What are you doing to get better? Hey, man, let me tell you about this. I I preach every Sunday, but my soul's hurting. Can you help me? Guys, when's the last time that you have found a brother or sister in Jesus and just said, my soul hurts, my heart is hard? Um, a couple weeks ago, well, I'd say it was a couple months ago, we were in a staff meeting, and, and it was, uh, we have our staff meetings on Mondays at 6.30, and so if you want to pray for our staff while we meet, we'd love that. And, uh, it was just Josh and Kendra and I, we were on video chat, and I just said, guys, I don't love where I am right now. I'm preaching to a great group of people, and I'm telling us that we want to love relentlessly and love recklessly and love radically and all that stuff. And I just said, but you know what? My default right now is not to love people. It's really hard for me. You know what they did? They didn't try to fix me. <laughs> That's my reaction is, all right, well, have you been reading your Bible? You've been praying? Hmm? Have you? Well, let me open up to Acts chapter 2. We'll figure this thing out. Um, no. They just sat and listened and prayed for me and prayed with me. And that's why it's, it's hard, but it's easy to sit up here with my brother and listen to him say, hey, i got to step down from this. Because I know the hard, the hard part is to, is to say, I, I can't lead anymore. But the exciting part is to say, I love God so much, I need him more than I need to play music. That's tough to do. The opposite of authenticity is pride. The key to being authentic with God and with people is humility. It's to say, God, I need you. In church, I need y'all. Because that's what Christians in North Carolina say. We say y'all. It's to say, God, I need you. And man, I need you. Man, I need you. Sister, I, I, I need you. I need you to pray for me. I, I need you to love me. I, I need you to care for me. I, I, I need you because we can't do this together. Or we can't, do, well, let me put We need each other to do this. Verse 47, the end of that says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that's the point. Uh, I'm going to finish with one passage because it just popped in my head. And I hope it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's here. It's in Ephesians chapter. I thought it was in chapter one. Um, all right, somebody help me if, if you can think of where it is, but um, uh, it's, it's maybe in Acts chapter two. Uh, work out your salvation in Acts. Yeah, there it is. All right, Acts chapter 2, it's in verse 12, and he says this. Listen, this verse has caused me a lot of problems growing, uh, like, as I was going through college until I really started to study it through the lens of we need each other. Okay, we'll, we'll re- read this and be finished. It says this, 
Therefore, my dear friends, oh yeah, this is going to be good because then we'll go back to the therefore and we'll wrap this thing up. Oh, God is so good. All right, listen, verse 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, if you're flipping your Bible, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, Paul says, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't work because, Paul, you wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, that uh, grace is a gift. It's by grace you've been saved, not by faith, so that, or, or by your works. Because if you did, it'd be, you would be boastful, right? Okay, so how here in Philippians chapter 2 does Paul say you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? This is, we, we are saved by grace, not by works, right? This is what this says. Check this out. There's a you, and then there's a you, right? There's a, there's a you, one, and then there's a y'all. So what Paul says is, therefore, church, my dear friends, plural, as you, plural, as y'all have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out y'all's salvation with respect and with awe. He puts all of our spiritual lives in the hands of each other. It is our commitment to one another to work this out. Here's the therefore. Remember, when there's a therefore, you got to go back and see what it's there for. I know it's corny, but why? Why do we do that? Because, listen, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, this is it. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant uh, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the name that is above, to the place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You're on your map. You're on your journey. Where are you? It's now and it's time for you to be authentic with God first. And to let us and y'all love one another as we work out what it looks like to be children of God. Man, I, I love being a part of this community. Let's pray. Uh, God, we love you. And uh, God, we're thankful for what has happened today. God, we're thankful that you, you never leave us. You've never forsaken us. But God, you're with us the whole way. It's really odd prayer to say, but God, thank you for giving us more than what we can handle. And God, thank you for not leaving us when that's the case. God, we, we sit here now trying to figure out where exactly we are so then we can figure out where to go. And in that spot, God, give us the courage to be honest and to be real. Give us the courage to bear all things to you. Um, God, we, 
uh, we want to take more steps to look more like you and, and to love each other. God, allow, allow us in our church and in our community to do that the best we can. Uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.